You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Please welcome the wonderful Rhea James! Yeah, trust my brother to have already had a round of applause before I've got on stage. It's sickening, that guy. All he said was monster munch. I've got to tell a whole story now. If I, if I sort of sit down and do this and try and be casual, does that work? Can you see me okay? Is that... Yeah? Oh. Um, so... I think I should have seen the red flags for the job when there were only three real interview questions. The first was, uh, so do you think you could teach a three-year-old child? The second was, what are your opinions, if any, on the death of Russian spy and defector Alexander Litvinenko? And the third was, well, great, when can you start? Um, and with that, I was kind of thrown into the world of being a, a super tutor, uh, a governor, or a, a male nanny, or, or manny, um, for Russia's oligarch elite. And, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was a strange job. It was, uh, it was a difficult job, um, and I think one that I would have normally run a mile from. Um, but for, for other reasons, I had, to, I had to be in Russia. I had to get a Russian visa. And, and this seemed to be um, the way to do it. Um, and it's a difficult job because nobody gives you any training. Uh, you don't have to have any experience. So I'd never taught a three-year-old child before. Um, and I had no views at all on the death of um, Alexander Litvinenko. Um, and so there's no rules nobody tells you your responsibilities and you kind of have to navigate these relationships you're dropped in the middle of a family uh, in the context of a completely different culture um, and also in the context of the super rich who surprise surprise are fucking mental right they're, they're <laughs> insane insane people um so I got this job, and maybe just to give one quick example um, of why um, the job is difficult. So I did go and teach this, this three-year-old child, and about two weeks into the job, um, the family said to me, right, we're going to go to a farm um, outside of Moscow, middle of nowhere, um, and we're going to stay with some, with some family friends. And at this point, it was kind of unclear. The parents of the family were very young, so it was unclear. It was like, am I going to be like a friend to them, or... Am I an employee? How is this relationship going to work? So during the trip to the farm, I was kind of walking this tightrope between, on the one hand, kind of playing with the children in minus 20 degree temperatures outside and trying to get them to stop touching rusty farm equipment. Um, and on the other, they would be saying things to me like, oh, Rio, come, come to us, come to have some vodka. Tell us about London, England. Um, so I, I thought I'd walk this line pretty well but we got to the end of the trip and as I was getting into the car the mother came up to me and said why the fuck have you not been teaching our children all weekend so my job was kind of immediately 
under threat and they phoned the agency and they said this guy you know clearly doesn't know what he's doing and the next week we were supposed to um, obviously fly to Fiji um, and um, so I arrive at the house on the on the day that we're supposed to fly to Fiji and I get there and everyone's gone um, and nobody's answering their phone so I call up the agency and I say look I think guys I think this is it you know I think uh, they've gone to Fiji um, I think, I've, I think I've lost the job. And they say to me, you need to get in that taxi. You need to go to the airport. You need to get to fucking Fiji. So I get in the taxi and I go to the airport and I turn up and they're all there and they pretend like absolutely nothing has happened, right? They're like, oh, um, yeah, there, there, wasn't enough, um, there wasn't enough room in the Land Rover. So, uh, um, but you've made it now. So I go to Fiji and I managed to kind of make amends and somehow I managed to keep the job. But this story isn't about um, isn't about that job, it's about another relationship that I developed um, with a student in, in my time in Russia. So having sort of got that job down, survived the Fiji fiasco, um, I decided to get another job which was advertised as teaching GCSE English literature to a 16-year-old boy. Now, I had no qualifications or experience to teach GCSE English literature um, other than having taken it myself um, a couple of years previously. Um, but I thought, well, it's basically, it's just of mice and men, isn't it? And then, um, and a few bits of poetry, and you kind of, you kind of muddled through. So I, said, so I said I'd do the job, and the agency said, great. And they said, look, um, a car will come and pick you up, because we can't tell you, we can't tell you where they live. Um, and don't look for it in Google Maps, because it's not there. I said, okay. So the car comes to pick me up. It's a blacked-out Land Rover. It's a big black Land Rover, blacked-out windows. Um, and I get inside. And as I get inside, the driver pulls out a walkie-talkie and says, <coughs> which translates as, um, yellow is in the box. I repeat, yellow is in the box. So I realized about three things uh, simultaneously. The first was that I had a code name. <laughs> Yellow. Uh, the second was that the driver had a gun. And the third was that I had no idea uh, where he was taking me. And so we drove sort of past the outskirts of Moscow on a motorway and then on a toll road. Um, and it was kind of dark night, um, snowy night, obviously, um, but not at all Christmassy. Um, and just suddenly we just veered off a motorway kind of into the, into the darkness and we went down a dirt track and we came up to this massive sort of wooden palace, a dacha, um, on, the, on the border of a lake. And we went through these kind of big wooden doors and there were two guards standing either side of the doors with what I imagine, I don't know really what a Kalashnikov is, but what I imagine... They were holding sort of two Kalashnikovs standing by the, by the gates. And we, and we drove in and the car stopped outside the house. Um, and the driver took out his walkie-talkie and said, <clears throat> which means yellow is in place. I repeat, yellow is in place. So I sat there and he sat there and he said nothing uh, and I said nothing. And after a little while I said, so... So what happens now? And he said, well, you get out and you go in. 
So I got out of the car and I went into the house and the house was completely empty. There was no one there. And sort of down the corridor, you could hear a ticking clock. Everything was wood panelled. Um, there were sort of bits of art on the walls that you'd look at and be like, is that, hang on, is that like Guernica? <laughs> or what, what? Um, and I thought, well, I don't really know what to do now. So I just started to explore. I went in one room and there was no one there. I went in another room, there was no one there. Um, and I went into a third room and there was a, there was a woman there kind of sitting in an armchair. And I, you sort of half expected to say something like, oh, hello, Mr. Bond, uh, I have been expecting you. Um, but she didn't say that. She said, um, hello, my name is Jacqueline. Uh, will you teach my son, Sergei, GCSE English Literature? And I said, sure. Sure, yeah, sure, I'll, sure, I'll teach him GCSE English Literature. She said, okay, I'll, um, I'll bring him in. And... Um, I don't really know what I was expecting, but when I did GCSE English Literature, I was quite small, quite skinny, quite kind of awkward looking. Sergei comes in, he's massive, um, and has a full beard. Um, and he says to me in perfect English, um, hello, my name is Sergei, I've, I've just uh, left Harrow. Will, will you teach me GCSE English Literature? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll teach you GCSE English Literature, fine. And that was the extent, really, of that interaction. And we, um, we decided that I would come back the next week um, to teach him GCSE English. So that week, I kind of prepared. Um, I looked at the, the set texts. I saw that one of them was a poem by Philip Larkin, uh, The Trees. So I thought, okay, great, we'll start with that one. Um, and um, so I came in, same routine, car came to pick me up. We arrived, uh, no one was there. I had a coffee for about an hour, um, had some sweets, and then um, eventually Sergey came in. I said, great, Sergey, uh, please sit down. Um, today we're gonna read through the poem, The Trees by, by Philip Larkin. And he said, okay, here's, here's how this is gonna work, okay? We're gonna do about 15, 20 minutes of your, of your stuff. And then, um, and then I'll take you down the shooting range. And I said, I don't know. Like, I don't, because my arrangement um, with your mother is that I'm going to teach you GCSE English literature. So that's that's not really how this is this is going to work. So we're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to look at the poem. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I won't get him to kind of stumble through the poem. I'll do a sort of theatric reading of it. Right? That would be like a really good way to kind of get him into the subject. Um, so I started reading and I said, um, so the trees are coming into leaf. Like something almost, and at that point, Sergei interrupted me and he said, um, by the way, the windows are bulletproof. <laughs> and I was like, well, I said, that's great. It's always, it's always good to, um, it's always good to feel safe. Um, <laughs> and so I started to, to read again. I said, the trees are coming into leaf like something almost being said. And at that point, he interrupted me again. And he said, can I show you my telescopic baton? <laughs> and I said, well, that's very kind of you, Sergey, but I don't actually think it'd be appropriate for you to show me your uh, telescopic baton. <laughs> um, and so the lessons kind of 
went on like this and I, me sort of struggling to, to teach him and him, him sort of bringing in more and more of this sort of his weirdly, the weirdly militarised um, world that he lived in. Um, and our relationship kind of started to, started to develop. So first of all, I was teaching him GCSE English literature and then I seemed to be um, starting to help him with other bits of bits of homework um, and they would call me at strange times of night um, and I'd arrive to meet Sergei for example in his gym or um, at a cafe where I would help him with his maths homework but because he was so sort of paranoid it was hard to know whether it was a sort of justified paranoia or the sort of bravado of a teenage boy right but he'd say things like right after we um, leave here we need to burn everything and I'd be like yep but so that's just the rough working for your maths homework. Like I think, I think it's I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be completely, completely fine. And then the relationship developed further, and they started calling me um, at random times of night to just go and meet him in a restaurant, and to have dinner with him, or have a glass of wine. And I started to think I don't really know how I feel about this relationship. Like is this is this right? <laughs> Um, is this is this normal? And at the end of each interaction, I would be paid, right? And I started to realise that I kind of drifted into this sort of um, escort role, basically, <laughs> of just accompanying this boy and um, and being his friend. And it became weirder and weirder because I realised that he sort of viewed every relationship that he had through the prism of his own wealth, right? So it was impossible to have a friend if you weren't paying them. Um, it was impossible to do anything or have any sort of interaction if you weren't paying them. We'd go to restaurants and he'd sort of look at stuff on the walls and be like, well, how much is that? And they'd be like, well, it's not for sale. It's just part of the restaurant. But he couldn't um, get, his, get his head around that. Um, so I sort of wrestled with this and I started to realise that beneath the veneer of all of this um, aggression um, and, and wealth was really a kind of sad little boy. Um, and that really hit home to me when one day I saw him sitting there in his house beneath a portrait of his father, his, his father who, I don't know how, but had died um, many years before. And suddenly sort of seeing him there beneath this portrait, he seemed really young. And kind of looking back on the whole thing, I seemed really young too, because I couldn't really navigate that situation. I didn't really know how to, um, didn't really manage it very well. And um, I looked at him beneath the portrait of his father, and I said to him, um, Sergei, did you even register to do GCSE English Literature? And he reached across the table and pressed a 5,000 ruble note into my hand and said, no. <laughs> True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.